Good morning. It is good to see you this morning, even though most of you are in your cars. It's a lovely Sunday morning, June the 7th, 2020. It's the first time we've met as a church in any fashion since the pandemic broke out. And I'm glad to see each of you. And I'm glad you're here. And I hope that next week uh, you will feel free to attend our indoor service. We'll have protocols in place such as social distancing and wearing a mask, which if you're able to wear a mask, we ask you to do that in order to uh, be considerate of those who uh, are uncomfortable around people without a mask at this time. 9.30 Sunday morning, the 14th, will be my last service here. And I look forward to seeing more of you there. But I'm glad you're here this morning. And we'll begin with a prayer. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, and your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we more proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our passage is taken from John, the 15th chapter. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, who'll give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Get a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home within him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you, that while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. For if you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. John fourteen fifteen through 31 The Holy Spirit. When I grew up, the Holy Spirit was called the Holy Ghost. 
And there was a little cartoon character named Casper the Friendly Ghost. And I knew the Friendly Ghost was nice and kind of cute. But I mistakenly thought the Holy Spirit was like the Friendly Ghost. Nice and quiet, but not much help to me. But then when I was in college, I learned by going through a Bible study that met on Clearwater Beach. I learned about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And one morning, May the 1st, 1970, at 4 a.m., the Holy Spirit descended on us in the most overwhelming sense of God's love I've ever felt. And my life was radically changed. My fear of talking to people about my faith vanished because I now had a story to tell, and I could tell it with love. Now, the Holy Spirit is the only member of the Trinity that has promised to come and dwell in each believer. So when we say we receive Jesus, we actually receive his Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus during his earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit birthed the church and empowered it, empowers it to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. We celebrated that last week with Pentecost. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to perform signs and wonders that confirms the authenticity of the power in the gospel. The Holy Spirit is powerful, always working. It begins working at the moment of our baptism, to the moment of our conversion, to the presence that's with us when we pass from this life into the arms of Jesus. There's a thing in Christianity called the Trinity, which is a great mystery. I do not pretend to understand it, but by faith I know it to be true. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, equal to but not the same as the Father and the Son. He is not an it. Actually, the verb for the Holy Spirit is neutral, the noun, but we call him a he because he thinks Scripture says, it seems good to me in the Holy Spirit, one writer writes. He speaks, he speaks through his, through his messengers. He grieves, he grieves when we sin, and he makes decisions. He decides who gets which gifts in the body of Christ. The word for spirit is ruha in Hebrew. It means a mighty wind. The Spirit of God is the very breath of God that was given to mankind by God. In Genesis 2-7, the great creation narrative says this, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So the Holy Spirit gives us life. Now what is the work of the Spirit? He's the power behind creation in Psalm 33-6. But the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He is universally present. Psalm 139.7 Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? He is powerful. He's always existed. And he's everywhere that we can be. There is no place you can go without the Holy Spirit being there. 
No lonely spot, no dark spot, no hard spot, that the Holy Spirit will not be with you. There's some great symbols of the Spirit. The wind is the one we're most familiar with, perhaps, symbolizing the invisible and powerful work of the Spirit. Like the invisible work of the wind, it blows. We don't know where it comes from, but it, it blows and moves things. It's fire. It's the holiness of God that cleanses us and brings judgment to the world. It's water. And in the waters of our baptism, it's cleansing and refreshing and washing the believer of his or her sins. It is oil, and it's a soothing, healing preservative that heals our wounds. And maybe the most famous symbol is a dove, the symbol of peace, how our world needs peace today, how we need peace in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit brings us peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with those around us. The great thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit lives in us. In John 3.24, 1 John 3.24, sorry, who keeps his commandments and abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. God's Spirit is in us. And because the Spirit is in us, people know that we are Christian because we live as Christ lived. He is a Spirit of truth who guides us into all truth, according to John, John 16, 13. You want to know what truth is? Ask the Spirit. You want to understand Scripture? Ask the Spirit. He leads us to salvation. Wesley called it provenient grace that keeps away the evils of the world, and brings us to that point of justification where we can understand the message of salvation. We can understand what it means to be born again. We can understand that we have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus has died for our sins and freely offers us forgiveness if we will only open our hearts and allow him to come in. Now, once we understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says in Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you walk by the Spirit, you live according to the dictate of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is living out the new moral nature that God has given us moment by moment. The more you walk in the Spirit, the more we mature in our faith. It's like if you're trying to get yourself in shape, as I'm continually trying to do, the more you walk, the further you can walk. The more you walk uphills, the easier uphill walking becomes. The more you walk faster, the easier, faster, the speedier walking becomes. The more you do something, the easier it becomes. The more we walk in the Spirit the more we become mature in our faith. The first thing that the Spirit does is brings us a whole new way of thinking. In Romans 12:1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we get a transformed mind? How do we think the thoughts of God? How do we get the wisdom of Christ? Well, it's through studying his scripture and allowing the Spirit to speak to our hearts. It begins with honest self-evaluation. The Spirit provides for our lives moral correction. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. That simply means the more you are attentive to the Spirit, the more you discern areas of your life that are displeasing to God. Maybe it's a phrase you use or a joke you used to tell or story. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an attitude that you thought was all right towards a neighbor but wasn't. Or maybe the Holy Spirit will even reveal that you haven't forgiven someone from the past that you think you've forgiven. He also provides correction. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when the Spirit points out an area that we need to be corrected in, we respond to that by confessing or agreeing with God that we have sinned in that area. And then we do this process called spiritual breathing. We exhale... We say, Lord, I agree with you. That attitude, that action, those words and deeds are wrong. Then we inhale and say, Oh Lord, fill me with your spirit again, that I can walk in your light. It's called spiritual breathing. And again, if you've ever exercised and tried to build yourself up, at first it's hard. You get winded when you do something hard. But the more you work at it, the easier it becomes. The more we walk in the Spirit and exercise our spiritual breathing, confessing the things that are wrong, asking for the Spirit to fill us and help us do what is right, the more we walk with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, three things will be affirmed in our life. We are loved unconditionally without strings, without our performance, without trying to make ourselves right, get our act together, God loves us. We're worthwhile and capable people, gifted by God, not like everybody else, but different, but our gifts are needed in the body of Christ. Because we're created in the image of God, we have infinite, infinite worth. And lastly, because the Spirit lives in us, we are never alone. We're never abandoned. We're never left to face the world by ourselves. Let us pray. Jesus, give your grace to live the power of your Spirit, using our gifts to honor you and serve others. Give us ears to hear your voice and follow the commands of your word as we walk with you each day. Amen. And now a personal note. The last nine years has been a time of learning, from each other. We pursued shared goals. We had grown our love for Jesus and love for our community and for one another.
I've had the privilege of being with so many of you as you have celebrated marriages, baptisms, and celebrated the lives of those you loved who have gone on to be with Jesus. We have laughed together and at times cried together. Thank you for your love and encouragement for Patrice, Elliot, and myself. It has been an honor to serve you and lead you and to be called your pastor. You will always have a place in our hearts.